From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, December 6th. Ian Jewell is gliding across the ice. He's alone. It's early morning. Right now, it's just him and that swooshing, almost crunchy sound of his skates on ice. A satisfying, chilly sort of noise. This is his favorite time of year in Moab. I, I love Moab in the winter. Um, I like the cold. I mean, when it's super cold out, I, I find that nice and refreshing and cool. Jewel has lived in Moab for almost two decades, and he spent the majority of his winters here outside, skating. Moab doesn't have an official ice rink, but there are tons of places to skate if you hunt around. Dark Canyon Lake, Rattlesnake Reservoir, Uwa Lake, South Mesa Stock Pond. If there's a body of water in or around the LaSalle Mountains that can freeze... Chances are Jewel and his skates have been there. Obviously, if there were like an indoor skating rink, I would go and skate there. But skating outdoors is so much more like beautiful and wonderful and pleasurable and fantastic. I mean, there's there's like beautiful all the ponds here. Sometimes if I get up there early morning, you know, sunrise, it's just like unbelievably fantastic. So I think it's cool. I, I'd much rather skate outside, number one. And yeah, it is kind of fun having to like hunt around and skate around and kind of work for it. And he does kind of work for it. When Jewel first fell in with the outdoor skating crowd in Moab, he says the community mainly centered around Ken's Lake. It's easy access from town, it's convenient, but the skate season there isn't always as long as Jewel would like. So after a few years of this, he remembers thinking, Oh, if I just start wandering up into the mountains, I could find ice earlier to skate on. And wandering, he has. For him, the skating season opens around mid-October at high elevation, typically the pond at Geyser Pass. I'll skate there until I have road access, basically until the snow snows me out on the Geyser Pass road. And then I'll kind of start moving down from there. So it basically starts high and just keeps moving low, depending on road conditions, really. And as he moves from pond to lake to pond, he'll post about it to a Facebook group called Moab Ice Rink. It's like a bulletin board full of jewel-written condition reports, plus community questions like... Anyone going out there this weekend? Like on a Saturday morning or something, hey, you guys, we're going to be out there Saturday and Sunday morning. Everybody come and play. For Jewel, the more the merrier. While he cherishes those moments of skating alone at sunrise, he also just really, really wants to get a hockey game going. Like, I just want to play hockey. That's all I want to do is play hockey. For many years, we struggle like to play hockey. We struggle to find enough people. So we're always looking for people. We always want to be you know, like encouraging and welcoming to everybody that wants to come out and play hockey. And there's no uh, like skill requirements whatsoever. Anybody that wants to play hockey can do so. And we, we encourage them to come out and have fun. Last year, he says there were 50 people at Ken's Lake on weekends during the height of the lake's skating season. They were out there playing hockey, of course, but also figure skating and just hanging out. There's one woman that has, I don't know if I'd call them speed skates, but there's some sort of European long skate type. There's, there's a woman that skates on those. So really anything goes, I think. Jewel is hoping for another great, diverse skate season this year. You can find condition reports, gear exchanges, and much more at Moab Ice Rink on Facebook. How's the ice? It's alright!
With a trigger ban looming, providers at a women's clinic in Jackson are gearing up for more restrictions on reproductive freedoms in Wyoming. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KHOL's Hannah Mersbach takes us inside the state's only clinic providing abortions. Phones ring and patients file through the waiting room at the Women's Health and Family Care Clinic in Jackson. It's a typical Wednesday at the clinic, which just so happens to be the only place to get an abortion in Wyoming. Jovanina Anthony is leading me through the clinic the way patients would come through. They would come into this room. The room has equipment for ultrasounds and an exam table. We bring the medications into this room. We have a little glass of water all ready to go. And um, I conduct the counseling session. That session is when Anthony and the patient talk about ways to prevent an unwanted pregnancy again, whether that's through contraception or a different method. They'll take the first medication uh, with me sitting here and um, observing that to make sure that they did indeed swallow the pill as directed. Once they leave the clinic, they will have to take more pills about a day later. This is a medical abortion, and the only type of abortion that the clinic provides. Even though abortion patients only make up about 5% of the clinic's clientele, Anthony is fighting to continue to provide the service in western Wyoming. She's one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit preventing the state's trigger ban from going into effect. The plaintiffs are arguing that the ban is unconstitutionally vague and that the state's constitution protects Wyomingites' right to make health care decisions. The defendants argue those health care decisions don't include abortion. Anthony has spent nearly two decades lobbying for reproductive freedoms in Cheyenne, but she was hesitant at first to join the suit. I initially did not feel like I had the energy to be a plaintiff on a lawsuit of this nature. When I really did some soul searching in that regard, I realized that there was just no way I couldn't be a part of it. And the whole scenario just made me so angry. And anger is a very powerful motivator. Until now, the lawsuit has been winding its way through Teton County District Court. But on Wednesday, the same day I visited the clinic, a Teton County judge sent the case to the Wyoming Supreme Court. The state's highest court has 30 days to decide whether it'll pick up the case. The Teton County judge also denied a request from two Republican state representatives in pro-life nonprofit Wyoming Right to Life to weigh in on the case. The groups had told the court they should be able to intervene because they have a vested interest in the trigger ban. The lawmakers didn't respond to requests to comment about the decision, and Wyoming Right to Life's Marty Halverson declined to talk. But back in August, when the trigger ban was blocked, Halverson told Wyoming Public Radio that they will continue to fight for the ban. You can throw all the what-ifs at me that you want, but our position is it is never necessary. Wyoming's trigger ban currently includes exceptions for rape and incest. Pro-choice Wyoming leader Sharon Breitweiser says this is something lawmakers may restrict even more. The one thing I think we'll see is that they're go- they will try to remove the rape and incest exceptions from that current trigger law. If new restrictions go into effect, Wyomingites would need to travel to Colorado or Montana for abortion care. Wyoming is already an abortion desert, with most people in the eastern half of the state already traveling out of state for care. Back in the clinic, Dr. Anthony says it's the western half of the state in the eastern part of Idaho that will take a hit if the ban goes into place. 
Oh my gosh, I've had like six or seven from Haley Ketchum yeah. recently, like in the last few weeks. It is crazy. Idaho banned abortion in late August. And Anthony says that ever since, most of her patients come from eastern Idaho and drive as far as four to five hours. If it becomes illegal in Wyoming, then we are a true desert for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Idaho, Montana, Utah, the Dakotas. If the ban does go into effect, Anthony says that poor women and women of color will feel the effects of the decision the most. Most women will go a long ways at great personal expense, at great emotional expense, at great financial expense to obtain the service. But a lot of women simply will not be able to. Anthony says the fight can feel a bit hopeless, but that doesn't mean she'll stop fighting. A decision on the lawsuit won't come for months. So the clinic will continue to function normally until they no longer can. Hannah Mersbach, KHOL News. That story from KHOL was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, including KZMU. A proposed copper mine 70 miles east of Phoenix is facing another legal setback. The Arizona Court of Appeals has sided with the San Carlos Apache tribe in its latest bid to keep Resolution Copper from moving forward. Jill Ryan with our partners at KJZZ reports. In a two-to-one decision, the justices ruled that the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality illegally authorized a permit for resolution copper to release pollutants into the environment without first setting discharge limits. The ruling overturns a lower court's decision and also requires ADEQ to restart the permitting process consistent with provisions in the court's opinion. The tribe has vehemently opposed construction of the mine over concerns it would destroy Oak Flat, which they say is a sacred Apache religious site in National Forest. Jill Ryan, Phoenix. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, December 6th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.